Hi, I'm Angelica Bell and welcome to the Royal Bank Business Show. Joining me today is Daniel Asheville-Louisi, the director of the construction group Asheville. Now, Daniel is opening the door into the aggregate and construction industries, welcoming his huge TikTok and social following. Daniel, welcome to the show. Uh, it's good to have you here. Listen, we'd like to start off with a bit of a challenge. Are you up for it? I'm always up for a challenge. Fantastic. You've got 60 seconds to tell me a bit about yourself. Go. Uh, my name's Daniel Ashfield Louisi. I'm born and raised in Northwest London. I grew up on a council estate I'm from a single parent home. I've been working my entire life. Uh, first job at 12, second job at 13, 14. I've uh, worked in sports shops. I finished my GCSEs, A-levels. I went to university. That didn't work out. I left there, had a career change. I've grown a group of construction companies. And that's how I got here today. You covered a lot in that. And also, you you know, you did well from your background, I think. Mm-hmm. Do you do you think you did? Or is you, or can you brush over that? Because council estate, mm-hmm. single parent, but you still got your GCs, A-levels, and you still had this drive to make money. Yeah, I always had a drive to make money. But the, uh, how can I say, the drive to make money, the reasons behind it have changed as I've got older. Because... Um, when I was when I when I was a bit younger, the drive to make money was so I could have nice things like everyone else. Mm-hmm. Like I want those trainers and I want that tracksuit because when I go somewhere, I don't want to feel embarrassed that my clothes are this. Or so if we're all going ice skating, I want to have money to go ice skating or go to the cinema as well. So that and then the motivation kind of changed as I got older. So that entrepreneurial spirit came from a young age of survival. Yes, very much so. So how did the construction side come into this? Well. As, as well as survival, it it was my mum a lot of the time as well. Because my mum, I used to see my mum carry the bags of shopping home. And I used to always see, you know, you see people show their hands. that they like. I show my hands calluses from training. My mum had calluses from carrying heavy shopping bags. And my mum would get in. And as soon as she got in, I used to go play centre after school because she couldn't collect me. And then whenever she got home, straight away, I'd hug my mum and she'd be freezing. And my mum's hands were rough like mine from carrying shopping bags. And my mom always say, you don't want to be like me when you get older. You don't want to be like me when you get older. You don't want to be like me. You have to be a good boy. You have to work hard. You have to get a trade. You have to study. So my mom kind of put that in me from very young. Mm-hmm. And when I went out into the world, I kind of had that behind me already. And it was always in the back of my mind. Well, your mom inspired you in the first instance. But how did you come about building Asheville, you know, a group of construction companies? Um, well, it wasn't a straightforward story. It was a very windy road. It went this way, it went that way. And I need to say that I never planned to have trucks and uh, I just wanted to I just wanted to build houses. I wanted to build like um I wanted to build on a on a large scale and do high end developments. So is that because you thought this is a good way to make money? Yeah. What, what what where did it come from? I've tried okay, to work out okay. how the, 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 he, he, here's one here's one of the things that people never understand about me. When I'm doing business, I'm sometimes I'm not thinking about the money there and then. I'm thinking about doing the best job I possibly can. I'm all about doing the best we can, doing it high end, doing a great job. And sometimes I think of the numbers um, second, which sometimes can be a bad thing, but long term, it's a fantastic thing for the business to always do everything 100% and do the best you can possibly do. So the journey the journey started and I saved some money and I began to do, uh, a, I did a, a very small development in East London. Now, yes, I 
jumped onto the hype that if I buy a house in East London, when the Olympics come, I'm going to be rich. Well, more for me because that didn't happen. But, you know, I bought a house in East London because I couldn't afford to live in West London or Northwest London. I bought a house there and I worked alongside subcontractors and I labored. I wanted to learn about construction. I painted, I carried bricks, I took rubbish away. Um, I scraped the tiles off the floor. I mixed multi-finish. I mixed, um, I mixed adhesive. I just acted as a laborer and I worked with subcontractors. And at then when that house was finished, I had money in the house and I thought, oh, what am I going to do with this? So I remortgaged it and then I bought a flat round the corner in Silvertown. Again, I'm in East London because when the Olympics come, I'm going to be rich. Yeah. Right. So I did that for a little while and I managed to build up a couple of pictures and a portfolio and I made a website. And I'm going to be honest with you. A lot of those pictures were stock pictures. They were not, they were not Asheville pictures. I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah. I like it that you're just feeling you can desert it out. I mean, hopefully you won't tell anyone. I won't tell anyone. Yeah, they were a lot of they were a lot of stock images. And if you looked at this website, you'd have said, "Oh my god, look at this construction company. There's 500 people working here. They build skyscrapers." Really? Yeah, really, it was me at my mum's in my box shorts on a laptop, like typing away, like you know, doing everything myself, labouring, doing absolutely everything. But um, luckily, the business began to grow over a few years, and I realized that margins in building, they were very small. So I realized the way for me to offer a complete service and to make the additional money to, to, to make it up was for me to supply people with their fixtures and fittings. Now, at the time, building companies weren't doing that. Developers were doing it because they had to, but construction companies weren't. So that's how I grew the construction company. But when the construction company grew, I began to need a lot of waste management. When you're digging a basement, you have to use a truck to take the earth away. Now, if you don't take the earth away quickly, you can have 10 people sitting in a basement who can't dig, sitting around doing nothing yeah. because they can't dig because they've got no space. And it just so happened one day I was at the showroom in Chelsea. I was outside and they were resurfacing the road and this gigantic lorry pulled up. And the comp there, there was a, it was a white lorry. The company name was on the side of it. I won't say the company name. And I saw him tip up the tarmac and it said something. It, it's, there was a name and it said aggregates. And I looked at this white lorry and I said, Asheville aggregates. <laughs> and I stood there and I stared at the lorry and the driver probably thought I was a, I am a weirdo, but the driver probably realized I was a weirdo. And I stood there and I went, that's it that's it. And I went downstairs and I spent three months day and night on the computer researching who's, who's running this game. Who's in charge? What do they do? What's the SEO? What are the keywords? What's their turnover? And I spent months putting together spider diagrams, draw this here, this goes here. And I just spent my, and every time I made a spider diagram, I then made another one straight away after taking out the notes and the nonsense with a finalized piece. And I began to structure it and put it together, put it together, put it together. Then I got my own, I got my own lorry. And when I had my own lorry, I used it for the basements. Now I am never late with a job because I have a, my own lorry and I'm not relying on anyone. So that, that part of the supply chain, I am now in control of it. But I realized when I took waste away, when I go to tip it, the same place where I tip it, they have the sand and the stone and all the stuff I'm buying from the builders merchants. I said, aha, you will not sell me this anymore because I will buy it myself. And then I managed to control that part of the supply chain also. So I'm bringing all of this in in-house and I can be more efficient. But then a test came. 
I had this lorry. I only had one. I used to drive it myself, drive around, uh, park up, laptop, hotspots, quotes, everything on the really? phone. I'd drive in the truck myself because I, I didn't have enough work to employ a driver. But I got this truck myself. I'm really proud. So Asheville on the side. A test came. Went after, the, after that job finished on the basement, we didn't get any basement digs for three years. Sod's law. So now I've got this big truck. What am I going to do with it? And I thought, once again, a moment. Aha. So at that moment, I realized, hold on a minute. Every, if I've got this problem, everyone else must have this problem. So everyone I'm tendering against, I went to them and I looked at the tender list and I contacted everyone who considers me competition. And I said, look, here's what we're going to do. I cannot beat them on price, but I assure you that I will be there when I say I will. And if I can't do it, I will be honest with you. I will not lie. Turns out that's enough. So I started using my truck to do other people's work. So my build firm are building and my competition, I'm round the corner on his job giving him sand. And my staff are like, he's lost his mind. What's he doing? Why is he helping them? But we began to get busy. One truck, two trucks, three trucks, four trucks. And that side of the big business began to grow. Then I started to lose business because I don't have any skips. So the same man who has skips, he's offering people sand and he's offering waste management. I can't have this. I'm going doing skips. I ain't having that. So then I started doing skips. So now we're doing aggregates, My waste management, goodness. and we're doing skips. So we begin to continue. Then we start to do tippers. Well, I can't have that. These people are taking my work. Trouble is, every job I go to, when people are digging or they're using material, when they're digging, what are they going to put in the ground? Concrete. Every job I go to, oh, you got to wait for the concrete lorry. The concrete lorry isn't here. You got to move. Concrete's coming. So I went and bought a concrete lorry. I said, no, I'm not having that. We need to start selling concrete. No, we ain't having this. But when I started concrete, I'm not starting from nothing because the same people who use me for the materials and for the waste management, they are the same people using the concrete. So my existing client base, we'll I'm going start, after use them. You. Yes, I can provide everything. But then the company got so big that I couldn't get enough material. So I want so much material and I'm putting such a strain on my suppliers. And also I'm going after the same work as my suppliers. Now it's a bit of a problem. So I had to figure out a way that I was going to get material. So then I began to run trains. So I bring trains of material, about 1,500 ton a time, from other parts of the country who I'm not in competition with because they're so far. Then I'm irrelevant to them because, I'm, because they're so far on the other side of the country. I bring the material by rail and then I distribute by my trucks. That is how we got here today. Let's talk about your business, the construction yes. business Asheville, because traditional forms of media like TV would not have embraced what you do in yes. the way that social media has sort of taken to you. And I think that's been really smart. And, and you've been really calculated about how you want to, your business to be portrayed mm -hmm. and how you want it to be perceived. I have. And um, when I started, I thought the best thing I could do was share what I wanted to know. So when I was getting into the various different businesses, I was trying to find out what was going on and I couldn't get any information from anyone. And I made a lot of mistakes and I had to um, do a lot of research, spend all night reading. But there's only so much you can read because a lot of it is learned in the field. So I just began to share my story, what exactly I'm doing, the challenges I face, how I overcome them and the challenges I had to get to this stage because I believe there's probably people at various stages of what I'm talking about. And probably there's people before me, people past me. But I believe that I can add value 
to them as well, what I'm telling them so they don't make the same mistakes I did. Mm-hmm. So you saw sort of a gap. I did. I, 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 nobody was, 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 was sharing what they were doing. Nobody was sharing it. They're, I mean, for me growing up as a kid, everyone likes trucks. You like diggers. You like trains. You like all, And nobody was sharing it. And I, I thought there was all, this industry as a whole, nobody was telling their story and nobody was sharing. It's all very hush-hush. You can't talk about how many lorries you got. You can't talk how much your machine costs. You can't talk about any of this. You can't talk about if you had to finance it because that means you've got no money. You know, so I just thought, well, why don't I just share what I'm doing on a daily basis? So what methods have you used to draw in sort of audiences, customers, potential employees um, into your industry? I think I think being honest. I think being honest and um, bef- when I looked at social media before I did any of this, everything was very showy showy and everything was you you have nice things and everyone was really happy and everyone was smiling and I had a very expensive watch and had a nice car and I take a shop outside to design a clothes store and I thought to myself but well this isn't this is not to say that I'm I'm not doing well but this isn't my life and this isn't real life so I thought I'm going to share my journey and my challenges you know day in and day out and you know make have a vlog of my life and then have um, standalone, you know, videos and pictures documenting what I'm doing. So I, I feel that people embrace that. So you joined TikTok in February, wasn't it, this year? Yes. And you've already gained, it says it, 240,000 plus followers. That's a lot. I think yeah. I've got about 10. But anyway, we'll move on from that. What is your, what is your strategy and why do you think it's working? Because I know you're saying you're showing them you know, life mm. as it really is. But what specifically, what are you doing? Because, I've, you know, I've looked on your your pages um, and it's pretty real. It's like... I, I, have to, I have to be honest. TikTok is my team. So I, I don't know a lot about TikTok, but the formula that my team, have with my creative team have with TikTok, I believe they take the snippets and they take the gold from my weekly vlog and the top and conversation topics. So So it's kind of like a challenge thought process resolution so they be, they just take those bits of gold from the videos and they share it on tiktok and they create a talking point some people agree some people don't and once again not a lot of people are doing it in my industry mm-hmm. so that you know if people are in my industry there's there's not many places for them to go to actually view content like that so it's interesting you say you've got a team was that a conscious decision as well you know to employ people to help you get the message out there um yeah it was a conscious decision i i have uh, a manager and i have someone that does my creative and when they do my creative because I, I have a lot of ideas but i can go very wild and i might go too much into the details so when i write and note down scripts my creative they break it down and say okay daniel um right we we really don't need to know how many um revolutions this did in a microsecond here's the story what you've done is great here but they piece it together a little bit more so it would be um so so the masses would understand it a bit more and they take out the detail that maybe because i'm very you probably get it by the end of this uh, i can be very intense <laughs> so, no, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm still quite comfortable yeah that could be very intense so they um so, so they they take out some of the intensity right and they just package it up so and go and then and then i have three full-time videographers who are constantly filming and editing videos 
because I have a weekly show that goes out yeah. and then I have various platforms. And do you find people reaching out to you to be part of that story? Yes, I do find people reaching out. I find um, both uh, people who want to work for the company and I also find a lot of suppliers, but you just have to try to sift through it um, to understand people's intentions also. Because while we have a digital footprint and while we're across various media platforms, we're still a business. You know, when all is said and done, the business has to succeed or, or there are no videos. Work comes first, digital platforms and media, they all come second. So you just have to sift through everything that's coming into you and try to make sense, try and work out people's angles because obviously everyone has their own agenda. Yeah. Yeah, and see who the people are that we can work with to push the business forward. And do you think being part of, you know, your growth journey motivates the people that you have working for you? I would say yes, most definitely. But and I would say because it gives them insight. Because I have various companies, like that we could be, I've got staff who are on construction sites and they're barely at the depot. And then I've got people who are at the depot every day. And then I've got people who are out on the road. So there's some there's various people in different companies that barely interact with each other. So somebody in the construction company doesn't see me for like three days. It's like, where's he been this week? He hasn't been here. They end up watching the weekly show and they thought, oh, he was by himself in the yard. He was by himself in operations. And they they kind of learn my thought process. And I believe with some of my staff, it inspires them because I'm always talking about pushing forward. Mm. So a lot of ambitious people that work for me and the fact that I'm always talking about how I'm going to move the business forward and the fact that I'm always thinking about it and I'm trying to lead from the front, I believe that does inspire them, you know, to uh, to be on the journey and to work harder. And which is another plus and positive of you doing these videos in that yeah. so if you, you can't necessarily be with everyone all the time no but the people who you work who work for you will be like ah oh, this is what he's doing it's yeah. almost like your message you you know yeah you're galvanizing the troops yeah every single day they often a weekly video comes out on a sunday and often on a monday they'll come and speak to me and be like last week when i spoke to you you were going through this when i called you like how did you and i'm like well it wasn't your fault was it and they'd be like, yeah, but you should have just told me I would have left you be for that. I was like, no, 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 no. The job's get, got to get done. Don't worry about it. So it gives them insight. It says here that you've got like people from health and safety officers, tire fitters, social media creators, like you said. And I guess that's one way of keeping them motivated, yes. like we talked about. But what about day to day? Um, I try to lead from the front. I would rather rather than standing behind people like lashing them and saying forward i'd rather be pulling at the front looking back saying we're going this way i that's kind of my management style and i think that a lot of the jobs within my business more or less every job in the business let me caveat this before my staff jump on it <laughs> I, i've never driven the pump lorry and i've never been a tire fitter <laughs> yeah so other than that oh yeah and i'm not a qualified accountant but other than that most of the jobs within the business i've done it myself so when i have conversations with staff or there are challenges or there's something they can or can't do or they think there's a better way we can do it they have the knowledge that i've actually done it and sometimes like you'll see one of my trucks out and maybe i've got an hour free very unlikely and then I'll be on the road. And then when all my drivers see me on the road on the truck, the, the high, they start high beaming and Daniel's out on the road as well. And it's like, forward, forward, glory. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. Uh, I just try to leave from the front and to 
I don't really ask people to do things that I wouldn't do myself. 100%. Do you find that your management style has changed and adapted as your business has grown? It's had to. I have been accused and rightfully accused on many occasions of micromanaging. Oh, really? Can you imagine? I, I, I can't see that. Yeah, you see? And, <laughs> and I have had to adapt my management style because the the machine is now so big. Yeah. If I'm getting involved in, well, I can hear a puncture on that tire. Let me go and change that puncture yeah. myself. My eye, is, I'm looking at the hole right in front of me and I can't see the road ahead. So I've really had to adapt my management style and I've had to put capable people in place, management, and hopefully what I do with them trickles down to the to the people on the ground. Do you think you still face the same challenges as a small business, um, such as driving recruitment and maintaining staff satisfaction? I, mean, I don't think we we have a problem with um, with recruitment. Um, staff, staff satisfaction, um, I, I try to stay on top of that. I try to invite people into my office. How's it going? How are you feeling? You know, I, I don't want to get involved in in the in in the office. I don't get involved in the small talk, but I always invite people to come and sit down with me and tell me what you think. How are we doing here? Why are we not doing well? Are you happy? Like even the smallest things are. I'd like to move where I sit. I don't want to be underneath the heater. Like I I I don't want to sit there because it's very loud. If I sit next to transport because the phone's ringing, I need to concentrate more. Can I sit here? You know. Can I slightly change my working hours because I have this commitment outside of work? So I try to listen to my staff and I try to stay on top of it. So I, I think a lot of my staff are happy. Mm-hmm. And you try and accommodate it. Is that how you overcome those sort yeah, of challenges? Yeah, I try. I try. I try to accommodate it because without the people in the business, like where am I going to be? I'd be by myself. And if I was by myself, I'd have nothing. So I, I, you have to accommodate people. And as there are times when I need them to work around me and work around the business and they don't complain. So when I need to work around them, I assume that they don't want to hear any complaints yeah. from me because I... Well, I that's tr- good management because yeah. it's like, you know, I, I, you scratch my yeah. back, I scratch your in a way, isn't yeah. it? I, I try not to develop a short memory. You know, I try I try not to... If so, two years ago, I had to not be here and somebody was by themselves and they were under pressure in, you know... 24 months, 36 months, when that person asked me for something like, I've used all my holiday, but I haven't been away in a while. Can I have another week? You need to remember what that person did for you before. And you need to remember the value of that person. And obviously, someone like, I don't want to burn my staff out either, do I? Daniel, what three actions can you give traditional businesses to help them improve their management style? Try to get your brand out there more. Work with creatives. And share your story. Well, we've got to go soon. We could talk all day. Um, but Daniel, what is the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Best piece of advice I've ever been given. I'll have to explain explain it to you. Uh, I'll, I'll give it to you. All right. The best piece of advice is just because you know you can do something, right. it doesn't mean you should. Let me give you an example. Um, I have some land in St. Lucia. And I have planning permission uh, for a development to build uh, 23 units. Uh, Now, I did some appraisals and I worked out 
how much money I need. I worked out the interest. I worked out everything. I worked out how much money it was going to make and had a bottom line of what I would make. But you know yourself, to build in St. Lucia, I would have to be there the entire time. But I can do it. It will be, it will strain me and it would be a great vanity project. And it, I would have a house in St. Lucia. It would be fantastic. But when I look at what I'm doing here and what's going on here and what I could grow here, when I weigh the two up, just because I can do the project in St. Lucia and because I can put everything into it, it might near kill me. Mm. And, you know, it'd probably be the most stressful thing I'd ever done. Just because I can do it, I need to take a step back and I need to look at the numbers and I need to look at all the factors. Just because I can do it, it doesn't mean that I should. It doesn't mean that that is the right journey for me to take. Daniel, your story is incredible. It really is. Do you know that it's incredible? I mean, yes, sometimes I sit back and I think about it, but the story isn't over yet. 100%. Story isn't will you come yet. back and tell us how it ends? Most definitely. If you'll have me back. Of course if, we I, will. If, I, if I haven't been too intense. No, 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 no. I've been, I've been focused. Daniel, thank you so much for being on this episode and thanks to you for listening. And remember to hit follow and subscribe so you don't miss out on hearing our incredible guests still to come. And if today's episode has inspired you, head to our website to find more insights and potential solutions that could help you take action today. Until next time. <laughs>